0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: Church, do you remember the story from last week that really broke our hearts? If you are a dog lover, I mean, this really was one that just pulled at our heartstrings. I mean, this was a dog, right? man's best friend, that was so obedient that even in imminent danger and eventually death, he obeyed his master. I was just like, are you kidding me? Well, he says the morning he left, the animal was, was in a clearing, and he gave him a command to stay, watch his lunch bucket while he went into the forest. His faithful friend understood that that's exactly what he did. Then a fire started in the woods soon after the blaze spread to the spot where the dog had been left. Of course, the dog didn't move. He stayed right where he was in perfect obedience to his master's word. With tearful eyes, the dog owner said, I always had to be careful what I told him to do because I knew that he would do it. And doesn't that just break our hearts? We're thinking about a dog going, okay, you stay. And, of course, here comes the fire, and he was so loyal to his master. And, of course, in the Christian realm, in the spiritual realm, we think about that to us. is, is that Would that be the thing that um, you're characterized by? Obedience to the word of God? Obedience to the Lord? If you were that one in the middle of the clearing and you saw a fire and the Lord Jesus told you to stay, would you stay with just fervent knowing that God was going to rescue you, if not even take you home. Listen, when it comes to obedience, guys, when it comes to obedience, we need to understand that it is a big deal. It is a big deal when it comes to the Lord Jesus. Why? Well, you can jot this down. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus once said, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I mean, it's pretty simple, right? If, you, if we love Jesus. Now, he, here's what we do. Here's what we do. Specifically, look at me, specifically living in the Bible Belt, we have a lot of people that would, would simply attend church, call themselves Christian, but have no marks of being a Christian whatsoever. There is no marks of obedience to the word of God. There's no relationship with the God that created them. And yet, simply because they attend church week after week after week, they call themselves Christians. Jesus told us, if you love me, obey my commands. Well, it was Meyer's commentary that said, this is a new exhortation to keep the commands, listen to me, is proof of their love to him. You go, why? Why? Well, listen, obedience, guys, is proof that you love Jesus. Obedience is proof that you love Jesus. See, it's one thing for you and I to say, we love Jesus, amen, praise the Lord, I love Jesus, but it's a whole other thing to live out that love through obedience. Are you guys tracking with me? Here's why, listen, many of us would say, hey, listen, I would die for Jesus. You remember our boy Peter, right? Do You remember our boy Peter. Peter, right, Jesus is going, hey, guys, listen, we're headed to Jerusalem. I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to rise. Peter says, Jesus, come here. Let me talk to you. Hey, listen, you're not going to die. Far be it from me that you die. And, and he's, like, he's like, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. But here's what happens, right? All of a sudden, things changed, and Peter says, "Not. well, if you're going to go die, I'm going to die with you. And all the other disciples said, Me too. You guys with me? So, you and I are in the same boat sometimes with Peter, and we love Peter, but we would say, Yes, Lord, I would die for you. If you ask me to go out these doors and give my life for you, Lord, I will die for you. You see, but that's an easy thing. It's much harder to go, I'm going to go out those doors and I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live. I'm going to be obedient to your word. I'm going to do everything I can again. I mean, just because I love you, I want people to say, see that, that, that I love you through obedience, obedience. As we approach our text, church, let's keep this principle in mind, obedience, confession, obedience, purity, that cleansing that God wants to do. We need to keep this principle because here's why, listen to me. In our culture today, we find that it's really not a big deal to marry someone who, well, doesn't look like us, okay? I mean, they don't have to look like us. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know if you want to marry somebody that wants to look like you. I mean, eventually, as you've been married a long time, you begin to look like each other. That's what they say. It's not real common. It's real common in our culture. It's not a big deal to find someone to marry or be with who doesn't have the same skin color, it's not a big deal. We see that all the time. Because, because as believers, we're taught to look at the heart, not the skin. Color. You see, in our culture, we may, find it, we may not find a big deal to marry someone who, well, wasn't brought up in the same manner. In the same manner. okay. We were drinking coffee this afternoon, and we were talking about different cultures and just how we, we were raised differently. I, that's just how we are. You, you You did that. That happens at your house. man, you need to talk to my wife. I mean, come on, I mean when Sim not right. I mean, you're just whatever it might be, right? In our culture, we may not find it a big deal to marry someone who does not believe the same as we do. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. We had, a, uh, we had a man that used to attend our church. He's gone off to be with Jesus. But he was a man who grew up Church of Christ, met a woman who was Catholic, converted to Catholicism for her, and ended up at Calvary Chapel for a while. Of course, he was very, very sick and ended up going to be with Jesus about a year ago now, April, about a year ago. So, so a lot of people will go, listen... Uh, when it comes to beliefs, it's not a big deal, but we often chalk this up to, hey, man, it's 2018. I mean, that's how it is. That's how our culture is. Listen, yet the Bible has something to say when it comes to the mate in the spiritual realm. You go, what do you mean? Well, if you're taking note, and I highly encourage you to do, first, let's think Old Testament. Okay, jot this down, Amos three. 3. Amos 3 3, right? You go, what does Amos say about me marrying somebody who doesn't believe the same as I do? Amos 3 3 says this. Amos 3 says, Can two people walk hand in hand if they're not going to the same place? What is the answer to that? Well, Captain Obvious is saying, No. Listen, if you're walking hand in hand and one is pulling you and the other says, I want to go here, listen, this is what he's saying. He's saying one is going to pull the other. Onto the path they want to go, are right, you guys with me? you can't walk hand in hand. ever you ever been like that, ever been walking hand in hand, and your husband sees something and you see something, and where do you end up going? wherever the wife wants to go? Amen, Amen. right? You just go that way Now some of you are going no, look, yeah, look at my brother Santos over there, just junior, not you Santos. We can't, and that's what Amos says, can can two walk together unless they be agreed? It's like the obvious question is no, we have to have the same heart, same goals. That's where we want, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to go. Well, you go, what about New Testament? Well, jot this down. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 6:14, right? What does he say? Well, you guys know this one. We've quoted it to our kids. We've quoted it to people that we're counseling. But he says this, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be unequally yoked. He says, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what uh, what communion has light with darkness, right? So let's break this down. If Paul is telling us, guys, let's not be unequally yoked, Okay. Paul is speaking to the overly broad affections of the Corinthian Christians. You go, what were they doing? They were doing the same thing that the people in Ezra's day were doing, okay? The Corinthian Christians were, were basically joining themselves with unbelievers, and this had prevented their reconciliation with Paul. Paul writes several, he writes three, we only have two of them, but he writes letters to the Corinthians and he's saying, hey, come on, listen, don't be unequally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked. Now here's what I want you to catch, right? Paul means much more here than just marrying an unbeliever. Why? Because that statement can apply to anyone in any environment. Anyone in any environment. Environment where we would let the world influence our thinking. When we're being conformed to this world, guys, we're not being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We join together with unbelievers in an ungodly way. That's what Paul is talking about. Well, much like today, unfortunately, people, for the sake of the Lord... And they married the pagan women of the land. And we find out in the book of Ezra that some were even, what? Even having children with them. All the while knowing God's command is not to marry them. Not to marry them. Not to marry them. Now, you would ask ask the question, why? Everybody say, why? why? Because Deuteronomy chapter 7, he had already explained it to us. Right? Deuteronomy 7, 4 says... For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Don't marry the foreign women. Don't marry. Don't be unequally yoked. Why? They're going to turn your heart away from following me. Now listen, because we live in the Bible Belt, it would be it would be cruel of me to pamper and say, Hey, it's okay. God's going to work it all out. Hallelujah. Amen. High five. When your eternity is at stake in walking away from Jesus Christ. When he says this, he says, listen, they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Everybody say, everybody think in your mind, other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. Suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them and you shall destroy their altars and you'll break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. This was, he says, this is what you're supposed to do. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't marry those pagan women. This is going to turn your heart from Jesus. He's going to turn your heart from Paul. As a matter of fact, get rid of that stuff. Bury that stuff. Let it go. Cut it. Break it down. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Take, break down the sacred pillars. You go, Ben, 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 I got a question. Um, who, who are these gods we're talking about, right? Who are these gods the Canaanites worshipped? Well, if we, if you recall, we talked about this as we started, but if you're taking notes, some of the idols that Jeremiah preaches against are the ones the Canaanites worshipped and would eventually turn Israel to worshipping them. Okay Jeremiah, for forty years, was begging Israel, guys stop, please don't don 't do that they 're going to turn your hearts from serving i 'm okay i 'm okay i 'm good, man, listen, everything's fine. You worry about your own self and jeremiah' he's just he 's just saying, please don't do this, please don 't do this who Who are these gods? who are they right? who are they? Well, guys, jot this down okay this is this is what eventually is happening in Israel, okay the, the women and the men, they're starting to intermarry and they're starting to walk away from serving the living God and they're starting to worship idols. You go, what idols? We talked about those last year, but last week, but check this out. One of the, one of the gods that they were worshiping was Astaroth, Astaroth A-S-T-E-R-O-T-H. You go, who is, the, who is this god? This is the god or goddess of sensuality, sensuality. You go, what does that mean? Sensuality means the enjoyment, expression, or pursuit of physical, especially sexual pleasure. You go, man, there's nothing wrong with that. We get sensual, sexual arousal from this God. You know who? You know who they were worshiping? You know who their hearts are being turned to? What's a billion-dollar industry today? We know it as the porn industry. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. This is the God, and it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, oh, okay. So you, listen, you grow. You, 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 your son, you're raising your son, and you see him, and you're raising him in the Hebrew way. You're raising him in the way to worship God. While he's little, you're singing him all of those wonderful songs, those wonderful Hebrew songs to the living God. You remind him of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God. You remind him of all of this, and you see him grow up. And now you're back in the land, and you see your son start looking. Oh, no, no, not at the Israelite women, but at the Canaanite women. And they do things just a little bit different. They're a little bit more, hey, they have a little bit going on, right? You're not like those plain Israelite women who worship God. You look good. And they come, and all of a sudden, as parents, your heart is breaking because now all of a sudden, they're turning, what? They're turning their heart away from God into this. Into what? Into the God of who? Of sensuality. You go, what other, what other God is there? Okay, I get that, Ben. I get that. Well, they would also worship the God of Molech. Molech. M O L E C H. Molech. Check this out. This is the God of prosperity in sacrificing your children in the name of convenience. But not only in the name of convenience, they worship this particular vile specimen of, of theological folly, included the sacrifice of fire of living children. Writers of the old report that statues of Moloch would be heated from within and children would be placed on this monster's outstretched arms. And priests, in the meantime, would beat drums that, so the parents of the sacrificial children would not hear the screams and lose heart. Whoa, 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 Pastor, what did you say? They're, they're offering their kids to the God of Moloch. Here is a statue with arms. They'd heat it up. They'd put your... Could you imagine? Oh, here's your little one. And you take him. Well, no, no, he's not the God of Israel. He's the God of... And for convenience and prosperity and everything else, we're going to lay our... And, and we're going to beat the drum so loud so you don't hear. Really? You see, it is a big deal. These are the gods they were worshiping. Israel, please, please don't... Don't serve them. They're, gonna, they're gonna, You're going to start worshiping Molech. Now, before I move on, can you, in your mind, think about how we do that today? How we murder innocent babies in the name of convenience? That's a tough subject. That's a tough subject because many people have done just that without knowing the Lord, and they feel so... Guilty. They've come to know the Lord, but they've still they still have that in their past. You know what I would say? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. But we, as a church, as a church body, are going to do everything we can to what to never allow that let, let that happen. And that's what happens. Oh, I I ended up here, and I'm in in the name of convenience, I've got to do something. And no, 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 no. I, I, guys, I can't even tell you. I, I was going to tell you, but I looked up the, st- the statistic of how many in the United States, and I just, I just, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. That's the God of Moloch. I don't think there's a parent among us that would want to grow up our kids to marry somebody who has. A certain belief that that's okay. Well, what else? Jeremiah's going, okay, there's Astaroth, there's Molech, but then there's the god of Baal, 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 Baal. And you go, what is that? Well, believe it or not, this is sexual immorality, listen, with intellect. Sexual immorality with intellect. You go, like what? Well, this is like intellectual adultery. And here's what I've, here's how I pieced it in my mind. Okay, you, you you are having an affair and you justify it intellectually because of and you can lay down the circumstances. Women, we need to be so careful. Men, we need to be so careful. I say this a thousand and a thousand and a thousand times. Cultivate your relationship in marriage. Cultivate that because if you don't, we can intellectually justify as we worship the God of Baal. And so many people have walked that road, and it's a road of heartache. How did it happen? It was just one night. Yeah, but see, my wife wasn't. My husband wasn't. My husband is working so much. My wife wouldn't. And before you know it, there they go. And you can see it. Baal, sexual immorality. Think about your kids for a moment. You want to raise your kids. You want to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. They they know what it's like to hear the voice of God. They know that. And now they're with someone who may not be faithful to them. That breaks your heart as a parent. My little girl, my little girl will do anything for you. My little girl loves you. What do you mean you don't? This is how you believe. What do you mean? that you can sleep with whoever you want to sleep with because that's what Baal says. What do you mean you can do that while she while her heart breaks? Hey, it's the culture we're in, man. We worship the God. You're going, no, 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 son, son, daughter, come back. Come back to the living God. Come back to the God that loves you and wants to protect you. He wants to give you everything. He wants to nurture you. He wants to lift you up. You see, guys, there are a lot of times we think being a Christian just means we get free access to heaven when we die. Hey, how many of you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Okay, well, then you need it. You get free access. Give your life to Jesus. But it's more than that. You see, the God of the universe wants to guide us and walk with us every single day so that we can honor and be obedient to him. Heaven? That's just bonus. That's just bonus. Why? Because here's what heaven does for us. It just means, listen to me, it just means that you don't have to worry about death. As a matter of fact, you guys remember our John study? Jesus is like, listen, you follow me, some of you, you know, you're not even gonna taste death. You're not even gonna know what happened. Jesus is gonna come knock on your heart, you say, It's time to come home. It's time to come home. We had a death this week. We had a death this week. A very significant death in my life. You see, for most of you, you may or may not know, but my mom died when I was—I um, was my mom died when I was a year and a half. When I was five years old, my dad met my dad met somebody else, and they got together, and she was a big part of my life. Uh, a couple of things about Lily was—I remember she, before you know it, I remember she was she moved in with us, and so there she was. And I'm like six or seven, and I'm going, do I call her mom? I tried calling her mom one time. It just didn't fit. I don't know where that was, but that that was neither here or there. But I remember going, mom, that doesn't fit.
0: Let's call her Lily.
1: Well, Lily and my dad were together. This whole living thing didn't work out. I don't know the reasons, but I know she got her place, he got his. But they were still together. They were friends. They were companions for 45 years. Lily, at the age of 88, took her final breath Tuesday morning at 610. Here's the good news. The good news was a few years prior, when we went to visit her, Nathalie and I went to visit her, she said, they changed me. What are you talking about? They changed you. They changed me. What What is? What do you mean? I'm not Catholic anymore. They changed me. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold on. What are you talking about? And, we, and, and so Nellie and I went, and we just made sure. So this is the word of God. I'm reading my Bible now. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So for me, this week has been tough, but it's been wonderful knowing that she gave her life to Jesus. You see, I thought that was an impossible feat because... The older you get, the harder it is. You get so set in your ways. But God can do anything. God can do anything. You go, okay, okay. Well, who, who else? Who else? Well, we know that they were worshiping who? Astaroth, Molech, Baal. These, these, these were crazy. I mean, these were nuts. But they also, worried, they also worshipped the last god. One of the last gods was mammon. Mammon. You go, what is mammon? That's the worship of money. It's the worship of money. Material wealth or an entity that promises wealth. Wait, did you just, what, 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 wait, what, what? You say, it's mammon. It's, it's money. We just think, well, I don't worship money. You know why? I don't have any. I'm broke. I don't have any money. I don't have any of them duckies, you know, so it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. No, 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 listen, listen. The worship can come from your heart for something you don't even have. And you can be envious for when other people have it. When somebody gets something nice, when somebody gets something, what's your reaction? Is it, is it, yay, amen, wonderful for you, praise the Lord? Or are you like, why did they get it? I've, worked, I've served you, God, and look, they don't even go to church on Wednesday night. Are you kidding me? That shows, that reveals our heart. Why? Here, listen, listen, mammon, mammon, the worship of money, material wealth, or the entity. What's the entity that would promise you these things? What's the entity? It could be a job, right? Hey, you come to this firm, you come in this job, and you're going to be somebody. You're going to be making millions before you. It's the entity that, oh, Wow. We have to be careful, so careful with money, right? And you go, why? Because I've seen people leave God for a quarter more an hour on their in their job. A quarter more. They got a quarter raise, and all of a sudden, they start missing Wednesdays. Oh, got to be there Wednesday. Got a quarter more an hour. I start missing Sundays. Oh, they want me to work Sundays. And before you know it, guys, here's what happens. If you're not moving forward with Jesus, you're moving back. There is no standing still. I didn't get a big amen on that one. If you're not moving forward, if you're not growing, then you're moving backwards. If you're not here with, with your family who loves you, those that come, see, we go, well, I come to Wednesday night church. What do you come to Wednesday night church for? To get the word, amen. But, but guys, we're family, and we're here to lift each other's up. And, and when we come in and we make a beeline here and a beeline out, who? what gift did you impart on somebody else? Maybe a smile would be wonderful. Somebody's had a bad day. Maybe God wants to use you to encourage and to uplift. You can see with me why Israel's tripping, right? You can see why Ezra's pulling out his hair. You can see why he's fasting. You can see why he's praying. Please don't worship these things. Please don't worship. I mean, we're worshiping pornography, and we're worshiping, you know, child sacrifice, and we're worshiping money and material things, and we're worshiping everything that's not God. We're worshiping Israel. Come back to the living God. That's what the whole book is about, okay? You've built a foundation, chapters one through six, but now now we're going to build a foundation in your heart. The foundation of your heart needs. we need to get rid of idols. We need to get rid of those things we worship. What's the one thing we worship above everything else? Self. Right? We can be honest in church. We do. We're just like, hey, it's about me, it's about, right? All three of us, who are they? Me, myself, and I. That's what matters. All three of us, me, myself, and I. So you can see why this is a big deal. So let's recap what we talked last week. Chapters 9 and 10 go hand in hand. We find, Pastor Evers, are broken in this sin, right? You've seen the sin of the nation. Ezra realizes the impact is making against the kingdom of God. Now, here's what I want you to think about, guys. 17 priests and 10 Levites were involved in disobedience to God. 17 priests are named that they were actually... I mean, think about this. Think about this. This is like saying 17 pastors, 17 men of God, 17 men and, and deacons, they're not obeying the Word of God anymore. They're over here, and they're, they're being torn away from serving the living God. You go, Pastor, you're just reading the news. That happens already. We see pastors, they're on the television, and next thing you know, they're involved in some sexual scandal, or this pastor fell morally, or this pastor... Exactly. There's there. It happens. It happens, and so Ezra's going, please, no, they are being disobedient, and they could easily find themselves serving these pagan gods, and and think about it. Because of their influence of who they were, they could turn the hearts of Israel with who they are now. In the same way, when you got saved, you became a world changer. You guys get that? Why? Because now your life is different and now you're going to bring your kids up different. You're going to bring up, you're going to have relationships that are different. It's going to be different. You, that's when you gave your life, something changed. Okay? In the same way, when you go from that lifestyle back into a pagan lifestyle, you're a world changer, but not for good. Because the people see you and go, hey, I thought you were a pastor. I thought you were a leader. I thought you were a Christian. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, you mean it's okay? Oh, I'll come with you then. And then you start pulling people. You start pulling people. Church, can I ask you a question? Is it easier to pull somebody up or is it easier to pull somebody down? Isn't it? Right? A, come on. I'm going to pull you up with me to righteousness. He's going to go boink. Done. We have to be so careful. So Ezra, what does he do? It's the same thing we're doing this week, guys. We're, pra- we're fasting and we're praying. I want you to listen to his prayer. Just listen, okay? He says, dear, my dear God, this is Ezra praying. I am so totally ashamed. I can't bear to face you. Wait, 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 pastor. Was Ezra, was Ezra? No, 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 no. Ezra's, Ezra feels the weight of the sin of his nation and he's crying out for all of them. He says, oh my God, our iniquities are piled up so high that we can't see our Our guilt touches the skies. We've been stuck in the muck of guilt and silence for a time of our ancestors until even right now. And we and our kings and our priests, because of our sins, have been turned over to foreign kings, to killing, to captivity, to looting, to public shame, just as you see us now. Do you see that? That's his prayer. He's going, God. What is your prayer like? When you're, when you're, when you're caught in sin, what is your prayer? Is it just simply, "Oh God, please forgive me," Amen? You see the heart. I, I just want, I want the heart. He's, he's like, man, I'm, I can't even lift up my head to the God. Now, now we're, we have Jesus, and we know Jesus died on the cross, so we we can easily say, "Lord, I'm so sorry," but I just think I don't know if sin breaks our heart anymore. I don't know if sin breaks our heart. And he's praying, and he's crying, and his people are gathered together. And that's where we pick up our story tonight, guys. Verse 9 of chapter 10. So all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered at Jerusalem within three days. It was the ninth month, the 20th of the month. All the people sat in the open square of the house of God, trembling because of the matter and because of the heavy rain. Do you guys remember last week? We jotted this down. It was December 8th, 457 B.C. They were trembling. They were trembling. They heard Ezra pray, and they're trembling. You go, why are they trembling? I think one of the reasons they're trembling, guys, is, 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 is they're, they're, they're afraid of going back into captivity due to disobedience. They, man, they're sitting there for 70 years in Babylon. Now, now, listen, to you and I, that means nothing to us in 2018. Why? Because after tonight's Bible study, you're going to get up, you're going to get in your cars, and you're going to go to your home here in Lubbock, Texas. But to them, they were taken away from everything they knew to live in Babylon because of disobedience. And of course, now we're going, oh, we're doing the same thing. And they're going, oh, man, Lord, please, please. And the Bible also says that they were trembling because it was, they were in the rain. They were in the heavy downpour, and it was cold. And you go, why do you you think Ezra mentioned that? Here's why. Because I think as believers, I mean, think about it. They're they're having a worship service in the middle of the rain. That's how convicted they are, in the middle of the rain, right? And you go, well, how does this happen? Well, think about it, guys. Fear can only do so much for you, right? It can only, right? Because here's what happens. Once you're not afraid anymore... You tend to go back to where you were. Can, where you were. can I get an amen? amen. You, you're only afraid for a little bit, and then you go, okay, I'm not afraid anymore. So you, you ease and you go back to exactly where you were before. You're like, oh, man, yeah, that happens a lot. Like, oh, God, please, I'm so sorry. Please, I'm, Lord, please forgive me. And then you go, okay, everything's good, everything's good. And then you find yourself doing the moonwalk back to where you were, back into the same sinful lifestyle until something else scares you. Fear will only do something... You go, so how did they get these people doing what they're supposed to be doing? Guys, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work
0: of the Holy Spirit.
1: Okay? This gathering could only happen as the wonderful work of God's Spirit. And I think there's been many, many moves of God's spirit in our world. Here's one that I found that I think you'll be interested. It happened in March of 1859 at the beginning of a great move of God that would bring more than one million souls to conversion in Great Britain. Some ordained men with a passion for revival. Someone said to me today, we need to have a good old-fashioned revival. That's what's happening here. Some men who just had a passion They preached at the First Presbyterian Church there in Northern Ireland. There was such a large crowd that the meeting that they had had to dismiss early because they were afraid that the balconies would collapse under the weight of so many people. It was a work of God. They took the meeting to the street, outside the street, and in the freezing rain, James McQuilkin preached to 3,000 people in the streets with many of the listeners falling to their knees in the wet, muddy street because they were so moved by the conviction of sin under the preaching of these laymen. Guys, guys, here's what we need to pray. We need to pray that God will move once again and that there would be revival in our land. Guys, we need to pray that people will be moved by conviction and leads to what? Confession and repentance as a nation. As a people and as a church, we need to pray, guys, that the fire will fall. We need to pray that the fire will fall. You see, it's not about how eloquent the preacher is or how great the music is or how wonderful or how comfortable the the chairs are. You know what it's about? It's about a work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives, the purification in our lives. When we come to the place where we realize I'm not clean, you're not clean, God, do a work, and we allow the Holy Spirit to do, do this work. Well, it goes on in verse 10. It says, Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, you have transgressed and you have taken pagan wives, adding to the guilt of Israel. And I love Ezra, right? Because he just tells it like it is. I love the fact that Ezra doesn't kind of go, listen, let me spare your feelings for just a moment. Y'all did wrong. (laughs) Stop it. You know, you you, you sort of made a little boo-boo. He's going, you guys sinned. You guys said, guys, we've come so far off from just understanding. He says, "You you have transgressed and have taken pagan wives and you're adding to the guilt of Israel. Pastor Ezra was pretty clear. Pastor Ezra was pretty clear that's what was going on. And he says in verse 11, now, therefore... Make confession to the Lord, God of your fathers, to do His will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land, and from the pagan, lo- the, the pagan wives. Guys, listen. If you want, if you want purity in your life, if you want purity in your life, and you want cleansing, it starts right here. What does it start with? Confession. That's what he's saying. It starts with confession, right? Here's our problem, if we can be honest, we tend to confess but we don't separate ourselves from the things that are actually pulling us back into the world. Oh Lord, I've sinned against you. Hey, let me see what is over here. Oh, yeah, Lord, I know this is wrong. I'm so sorry. Hey, what what's over here? And and we got to separate ourselves. That's what he says. You go, what does it mean to make confession to the Lord? Well, it's made up of two words, guys, two Hebrew words. One is Toda, to and one is Yoda, Yada. Todah and Yada, and it means to worship, to cast out, to confess, to bow down. You see, sometimes we think it's simply words. It's not words, is it? Confession starts with the heart where you confess all that's in your heart when you when you worship the Lord. Oftentimes, guys, we go, hey. What time does church start? Seven. Good. Okay. Well, I'll get there at seven twenty. And listen, part of that, part of coming in and and singing to the Lord is is part of confession. It's part of allowing God to move in your life, to cleanse you, to to expose those things. That's what that's what worship does. Part of worship is bowing down. What are we supposed to do then, Pastor? Well, notice what it says in verse 11, guys, to do his will, right? What does that mean? Obedience, right? What did Jesus say? If you love Jesus, obey his commands, obey his word. If you love him, well, gee, Ben, I love Jesus. Then show me. How are you going to show me? By your obedience, right? You ever remember that, how they say, I love Jesus, prove it. How do you want me to prove it? Let me see your life. Are you obedient to his word? Are you obedient to his word? Well, what's the response? Notice verse 12. Then all the assembly answered and said with a loud voice, Yes! Let's try this. Okay, guys, on the count of three, everybody say yes. One, two, three. It's yes. exactly what they're saying. How did they respond? He says, "Men, you need to confess. Yes. You need to obey. Yes. Yes. And as you have said, so we must do. But there are many people. It is a season for heavy rain. We're getting soaked out here. No one's able to stand outside. Nor this is the work of one or two days, for there are many of us who have transgressed this matter. Please let the leaders of our entire assembly stand. Let all those in our cities who have taken pagan wives come at the appointed times together with the elders, the judges of the cities, until fierce wrath of our God is turned away from this matter. Do you see what they're saying? They're going, it's going to take some time. We've messed up big time. We've blown it. We'll do what you say, but give us some time. Now, here's what I find interesting. Look at verse 15 with me. Only Jonathan, the son of Ashiel, and Jehaziah, the son of Tikva, opposed this. And Meshulam and Sabathiai, the Levite, gave them support. Why? are these guys opposing what everybody else wants to do pastor because there's always somebody who will we talked about this in our leadership class and it was it was um pride Right. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Listen, I'm not that dirty. Listen, listen. I got problems, but I'm not. I'm not all messed up. I mean, I I can name several of my friends who are worse than me, man. I'm, I'm all right. Jonathan says, "Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Time out! Time out!" Why? Why? Why do we have to do this? Well, because you see what's going on. Yeah, but hey, listen. Those those guys are weak, man. I can handle the form. Listen, I'm going to tell my wife how it is going to be, and when I'm not going. To, when she's going to come worship with me. I'm not going to worship with. Listen, there's always somebody who will try to turn that. There's always somebody who opposes what God wants to do. There's always. There's always. Why these four men opposed the measure? I don't know perhaps they might be protecting their relatives. Well, no, 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 hold on. Hold on. Maybe they felt like the separation was too harsh. We don't know. Then the descendants of captivity did so, and Ezra the priest, with certain heads of the father's households, were set apart by the father's households, each of them by name, and they sat down on the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. By the first day of the first month, they finished questioning all the men who had taken pagan wives. It took only three months were required to complete the investigations. They went through everything. Three months. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. Guys, the whole process took many weeks because, because everybody was moving towards that. So many people had taken pagan wives. The questioning was necessary because they needed to examine if one of these wives had genuinely decided to serve the Lord and even forsake her native religions. It took a long time. It took a long time. Now I want to close with this, guys. I want to close finally with this. When it comes to when it comes to confession and obedience, I think the best way we can say this is, is Is what David said in Psalm 51. If you have your Bible, say goodbye to Ezra and turn to Psalm 51 with me. Psalm 51. If you move a little bit to the right, you'll run into the Psalms, guys. Psalm 51. Give me a gentle amen when you're there. Psalm 51, this should be our prayer. Because if we're honest in church, I'm not clean, you're not clean, we struggle with things all the time, and we need to confess to a holy and living God and put all of our sins under the blood of Jesus. And I think David got it right. Look at me, Psalm 51. It says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba, when he was totally busted. Here's what he writes. You guys ready? Verse 1 says, Have mercy mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Your attention, please, for just a second. I love that he says, Have mercy according to your kindness, not according to my good works. Lord, I've done this for you. I've done this for you. I've done this. I've gone to church. I I have a list of everything I've done for you, God. I've given money. I don't want God's mercy based on my works. I want mercy based on His tender mercies. He says, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David goes on to write, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you and only you have I sinned. Who do we sin against? God. It's in the word. that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge he says behold i was brought forth in iniquity and my sin my mother conceived me behold you desire truth and in an inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me known to wisdom purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow make me hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. You hear David's heart? Lord, save me. Save me. I think David got it. I think David got it. I know by the work of God's Holy Spirit, we get it. See, maybe you're here today and You're like, you're like, Pastor. Um, listen, what you were saying was cool and all. Thank you for having me. But I gotta be honest with you, man. I feel like I'm oceans away from God. I feel like Him and I don't even talk. I feel like, man. Listen, I mean, I just feel I just with 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 my sin and everything and my past and how I was brought up. God doesn't want me. He doesn't want me. You feel like that in your heart. And yet, God is so knocking, so gently, saying, "Listen, I can save you, even to the guttermost. I can save you. I died for you. You are special to me. You are, you are precious to me." You go, "I, I don't know if I'm precious." Listen, that's what the Word of God says: that He bought you with a price. God loved you so much, he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. We call it the great exchange. You give him you, all of you, every bit of you. you get, there it is, Lord. It's a mess. And he's like, no problem. That's what I want. And I'm going to give you my spirit in you to walk, to walk. Right now, maybe in your heart you're saying, Pastor, I want this. I want this. I don't I don't know. I just what does this all mean? I don't even know what this means. Well, listen, if you can if you can close your eyes tonight and know that if you were to die, if you were to die tonight, that you would be in the presence of Jesus because of who he is, then you're saved. You're saved. Yeah, I, have a, I have a relationship with God, but if you go, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But maybe tonight's the night that, that God wants to. God wants to save you. And he wants to come in your heart and He wants to fill you with His love. You see, right now, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you're not in his plan. You don't have his spirit inside you to find your way to heaven. But when when you accept the Lord and he forgives you, his spirit lives in you and that's what guides you into your everlasting home. His Holy Spirit say, I know the way. I know the way. Well, pastor, what do I need to do? You just need to confess. It's like we learned. You need to confess and repent. You need to say, Lord, here I am. Clean me, cleanse me. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus once and for all. I'm tired of living the way I lived. I'm tired of of worshiping Astaroth. I'm tired of worshiping Molech. I'm tired of worshiping Baal. I'm tired of worshiping. I want to worship You. I want to worship You once and for all. I want to bow down to You. I don't want to bow down to these things. They're nothing but heartache and disappointment. I want to bow down to You. So in a minute, we're going to pray. Just gonna lead us in worship. But if you're here tonight and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never made a full commitment to Him, you, you're still walking in your sins? You still got those chains on you? You can take those off. You may have those the grave clothes. You know the grave clothes? That's what happens. Lazarus came out, he was alive, but he had grave clothes on. He needed to drop the grave clothes. Where do grave clothes belong? in the grave we're to, we're to believe it. We, don't, we don't belong in the grave we belong with Jesus Lord let's pray Jesus you're amazing and wonderful thank you you're a God that loves us and keeps us and nurtures us and so today Lord I love you and I never want to leave a meeting without inviting people into the party and so with every eye closed and every head bowed is there anyone here that say pastor would you pray for me I want to give my life to Jesus I want to give my life to Jesus all you have to do is lift up your hand and I'll acknowledge you I see you sister right in front I see you sister anyone else anyone else you feel you feel the weight of the holy spirit just just feeling on you you just say pastor just just pray for me just lift up your hand nobody's going to see you it's just between you and God Anyone else real quick and then when then we'll be out of here but this is a very important moment. God, I'm not saved. I want to be saved. I want, I, want to, I want to know you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? God's moving. It's not me. It's not me. Anyone else? Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised. And I know you're going to do an amazing work. And I thank you. And I thank you that you love my brother and my sister right here. I thank you that you love them. I thank you that you died for them. I thank you that you resurrected. And I thank you. thank you that you have a plan for them. It's no mistake they were here tonight, God, but today you're going to show yourself mighty on their behalf. So I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227.